This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you've joined me today. Why don't you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you that this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the word to the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive and hopefully helpful and healing edition of Equip. Today, we want to talk about a subject that often we like to not talk about, and that is uh, questions that we have uh, surrounding uh, death, uh, suffering, um, pain, grief. Uh, I want to talk about death and dying and how we as Christians can process our big questions. I believe that God invites us to bring our questions to him. He uh, says in scripture, come now, let us reason together. I think there's an open invitation for us to bring our big questions to the Lord about every topic. And I think one of the big topics that have consumed the hearts and minds of many, in particular in more recent weeks, are questions around death and dying. And uh, those questions extend beyond just the personal to much broader uh, questions about the goodness of God, about free will, about God's uh, sovereignty, about suffering, and so much more. So I want to, as always, create a space for us to have these conversations from a biblical perspective. I'm going to invite my guest in in just a moment, but let me give the phone number 877-LIVE-675, 877-548-3675. I don't come to this conversation with um, a detachment, but I actually come from a deeply personal perspective. It is uh, uh, an interesting day for me and my wife and my children, to say the least. This is the fourth anniversary of the passing of our our oldest son, uh, Chris. This morning, my wife and I spent some time together just processing through our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, our joys, our pains uh, surrounding that. And yes, uh, there are still big questions in our own heart uh, that we have laid before God. Many of those questions the Lord has been gracious to answer for us. Some of those questions still uh, we we lay before him, um, but all of them we feel that we can bring to the Lord, just like the psalmist did, just like those who have grieved and mourned before us, whose stories are captured in Scripture and church history. So I come to this from a deeply personal perspective as well. Um, this month, um, we're going to focus in on this, this conversation about suffering, about death, and dying. We're going to ask God why. We're going to ask God how. We're going to look to his word. And one of the resources all month long that we're going to look to is a book written by Colleen Chow. Now, if you don't know Colleen, her story is going to captivate you. 
Uh, we're going to have her on a couple times this month with us. But she wrote a book, a devotional. It's a 31-day devotional. It's called In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God. And uh, Colleen was uh, uh, living a, a vibrant, active life. She's talented, confident, ambitious. Um, but her life has also been marked by tremendous suffering as well. And uh, currently, Colleen is facing death uh, as someone living with stage four cancer. And uh, some of you who are listening to us right now, maybe you can relate to what it's like to know that um, that there is the finality of this life staring at you in the face and, and having to process through what does it mean to navigate the realities of death and dying with grace and with faith, to trust in God uh, in, in the face of it all, even while going through great suffering. If that is you, Colleen has much to say about hope, about honesty, and about encouragement for the sufferer. And so all month long, we're going to feature Colleen's book. And if you just, just I just want to say, if you are experiencing this, you know, I posted today on Facebook about this being the anniversary of um, our son's passing. And uh, there were several people who in the comment section said, we've also lost a child. So I don't assume that you're listening and you have not tasted what it means to experience death and loss and grief. And so if that is you, I'd love for you to get Colleen's book. It's been such a blessing to me. Her life has been a blessing to us. And the way that she's approached death has been remarkable. Her The, the number to, uh, to, to get a copy of the book, just call 888 888- 644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Occasionally I'm asked by those who have lost a loved one, a spouse, a parent, a child, um, how do I process through what books have really blessed you? And this is one of those books that I recommend. In the hands of a fiercely tender God, gift of any amount will send it out to you. The other way that today touches my life is, as you know, last week I got a chance to spend a couple of days on the campus of uh, Michigan State University, and the questions that those students asked in the aftermath of the great tragedy that happened there, where three lives were taken and um, a rampage of gun violence, uh, five others uh, fighting for their life in, in, in the hospital. Uh, but for one of those uh, visits to the campus, uh, my good friend Abdu Murray went with me and just did a marvelous job answering questions that are really as hard and as tough as they come. Abdu is my guest today. Those of you who don't know his story, grew up as a proud Muslim in a proud Muslim family. But after about a nine-year investigation into the historical, philosophical, and scientific underpinnings of the major world religions and their views, Abdu discovered that the historic Christian faith is the only faith that can answer the questions of the mind and the longings of the heart. He is an apologist, he's an author, and uh, he is the president and founder of Embrace the Truth Ministries. He's with me now. Abdu, how are you? I'm well, Chris. It's great to be, to be joining you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you you joining. Um, as I mentioned, the phone number is 877-LIVE-675. Uh, Abdu and I want to create as much space as we can for 
questions to come in from uh, from you as you listen and process. If you're facing the death of a loved one, living in the aftermath of that, uh, maybe suffering and tragedy, or maybe you yourself are facing death yourself and you got big questions about faith, about God, about his goodness and grace, um, yeah, we would love for you to call 877-548-3675. This is a great opportunity and a safe space for you to do that. Um, Abdu, uh, as you reflect back on our our time at, at MSU, uh, what marked you most about maybe the questions and our time with students there? Boy, there's so much. I remember, you know, we, you and I spent some time at The Rock. Uh, and real, real was... quickly, let me just say, I, I, mm-hmm. I should have said this, you got a son there. You got a I son do. Who, who attends there. So deeply yeah. personal for you as well. But go right ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, indeed. In fact, when we were driving up uh, to the campus, we passed right by where my, my son worked. He was working that night. Um, uh, and it was right across the street from Berkey Hall where all of it happened. And uh, I believe my son could actually hear what was going on. And so it was a harrowing night because, you know, uh, they were in lockdown for quite some time and his cell phone died in the middle of it. And you're just thinking to yourself, what's going on? How are you? And all these things. Um, so it was um, uh, the return to the campus for us, for me, for that particular reason, was uh, moving all by itself. It was it was a stirring moment all by itself because of um, what he had gone through when we dropped him off at the campus it was a different feel. It's normally a very bustling place and almost no one was walking around and there wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, but we went, two things that stuck out to me was we went, you and I, we had visited the rock, uh, where yeah. there was, uh, quite a memorial and obviously, and this is the part that struck me. It was an obviously well-maintained memorial. It wasn't random. Yes. It wasn't just a bunch of flowers strewn about. There was tremendous care and austerity about the place. And we had mm-hmm. just ex- uh, experienced an ice storm, uh, the yeah. day before, yeah. and there was a tent above it and there were candles still burning. And, um, I, I could smell the flowers, uh, thousands and thousands of flowers. And that was one of the memorials. There was another one over by Sparty, the big Spartan statue that sort of marks the center of the place. Um, I remember thinking to myself, this is so well curated. This is so manicured and and, and taken care of because people are marking the occasion with solemnity. And then when we went in and and the students came and apparently it was a very good turnout, what struck me was the audience was obviously Christians because it was part of a Christian event. But we, we, we received a text in the middle. In fact, I, I remember receiving the text as you were speaking because um, you shared the, 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 yeah. the main message on, on uh, uh, grief and lament. Um, the uh, campus minister sent me uh, a text saying, hey, there's a number of people who are not Christians who are here, and we know them because we're in community with them. Um, and that moment struck me as well, is that in the moment— there are people who don't necessarily follow Jesus, who might not even believe in a God at all, but needed to find something of a transcendent anchor and hope in the middle of all of that. Um, and so that struck me as um, it was an important moment of ministry to Christians, but it was also an important moment of offering hope to those whose worldview was bereft of any uh, and so it was a tremendous honor, but it was very sobering, too, because it's a very serious affair um, to talk about death in the first place. And it's even more serious when we're talking about hope that springs from that kind of death. So um, and the questions were all um, I remember the questions were pointed on Scripture because the, the, the bulk of your, 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 your discussion yes. was yes. not only on just how we deal with grief, but 
anchoring our, our, our understanding in Scripture. And uh, I remember some of the poignant questions were what Scriptures were the ones that, that really yeah. helped anchor you and Yodi as you, as you went through it. Um, and that, to me, signaled something really important, and it was that there needs to be some transcendent anchor that, 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 that doesn't move. Um, when, yeah. when, the, when, when the waves get tossed, tossed, tossed you about. Um, and uh, I thought that was a tremendously good question, um, especially yes. the fact that, as you pointed out, you can come to God in a bewilderment and in an emotional state and say, I don't understand this and I don't get it. And you can ask your why questions with a bit of a tone um, uh, because the, the Psalms do. And I think that that was really healing for the kids. Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because I think one of the myths about this generation is that all trust in Scripture is gone, that mm-hmm. there is no confidence in the Bible anymore, and that uh, this generation is only moved by feelings and emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. But when facing death, we're looking for something that is concrete. And I think what the question was really behind the question uh, of what scriptures really have you have you looked to uh, is is a question. What can we know about God's character? Because mm-hmm. what scripture is ultimately is um, a revelation of the character of God. And if uh, folks are on a spiritual journey, and I know some who are listening to us are on a spiritual journey, one of the questions you should be asking as you investigate. Uh, various philosophies of life or religions, uh, world religions or, or spiritualities is what is the character? What is the character of, uh, of the God of this philosophy? What is the character of the God of this, of this religion? And, uh, and, and I will say that just two quick passages of scripture that really speak to my heart that reveal the character of God is, is first Psalm 34, 18. And we, we talked about this one a lot, Abdu, with the students. And in Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Now, you think about how um, transcendent God is. You've used that term, meaning that he is a part and above his creation. Um, he is greater than his creation. Um, but yet you think about how uh, imminent. He is, as revealed through passages like that, how intimately he cares about us and he sees us and he does care about us, that that God is near to us when we are brokenhearted. And maybe you wouldn't uh, identify yourself as perfect or blameless, but maybe you can say, I know what it's like to be brokenhearted. And the good thing is God is near to you. The other verse was Genesis 50 and 20 that what you intended for evil, God is used for good. And our God takes evil, takes pain, suffering, death, dying, and brings about hope and life and good. And we're going to talk about that more with Abdu Murray on the other side of this break. We're going to take your calls as well. You guys are the special guests today. So if you have a question, if you're going through suffering now, Call 877-548-3675. I want you to meet Colleen Chow, an amazing woman who is facing a terminal illness. She wrote, in the hands of a fiercely tender God, to invite fellow sufferers, 
Jones to share her discoveries of God's mercy, power, and presence. This honest devotional will encourage you through your own pain to receive the joyous embrace of God's love and beauty. And it can be yours today with a gift of any amount. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to say thank you for those of you who are uh, praying for my wife and myself. It's hard to believe it's been four years since our son Chris passed away. Um, Still can see his face in a thousand places. Um, Still at times can hear his voice, um, his laughter. And if you're a parent who has uh, experienced the death of a child, I just want you to know I grieve with you and uh, um, that you're not alone. And as I said earlier, one of the things that I love about the God we serve, uh, the God who loves us, is what his character is for those who are suffering or going through hardship. Psalm 34, 18, God is near to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And uh, I've certainly experienced his kin- tender care and love. And so often through the community of believers. So thank you for praying for my wife, myself, and my children on this day and our and our family. Abdu Murray is our guest. Uh, Abdu and I are taking questions that you have about facing death, about dying, about suffering, about grief and loss. Um, I want to create a space for you to ask those questions. The phone number to join the conversation is 877-548-3675. I want to give it again, 877-548-3675. Abdu, uh, first question. Yesterday, I got a chance to pray with a dear brother uh, whose wife, who uh, he and his wife just discovered that they're on the front end of, uh, she's on the front end of uh, Alzheimer's. And um, it's, it's, it's a life-altering discovery for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could see that in his eyes. Uh, but it brought on a question for me that I'd love for you to process uh, with us. How do you face suffering well as a believer? I think most of our listeners who are believers in Christ would hope in their heart that when when death approaches, when suffering touches their life, that they would suffer well, that they would face death well. But maybe they've never been taught what that looks like, or maybe they've never really thought deeply about that. So what, what are some of the things you would want us to think about when it comes to facing death and suffering well? Well, I think that one of the things that um, uh, we have to do uh, in every stage of our lives is um, is prepare for ourselves for the inevitability of it. Um, short of the Lord's return, everyone's going to face it. it. It's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with at some point. And many of us might want to put it off and not think it through. Um, that's why this program and the whole month you're spending is such an important one because um, – uh, if death is the inevitable uh, termination of this side of he- uh, of life, this side of heaven, then we're all going to have to deal with it and face it at some point. And so uh, uh, sort of not talking about it, not thinking about it, um, 
will result, I think, in, in an emotional um, inability to, or at least it could result in an inability to uh, deal with it uh, when it does come up or you might fall apart uh, or you might react in a way you didn't expect. So thinking about it and looking through scriptural verses about how people actually did face their, their, their own deaths, because in some passages of the Bible, people will were, will, well, were well aware of it before it actually happened um, and knew it was coming. Um, and so they look uh, to how they're going to end well. And part of that is to look to what will you, as a believer, what will you leave in the wake of your passing? Because there will be, just like when, when, when there's an object in the air uh, uh, occupying space and then it moves from that space, air rushes in to fill it. Nature abhors a vacuum, as it were, and we get the wind that, that fills the space we were once in, which is why moving objects create wind. Well, our, our passing uh, creates a spiritual and an emotional gap in the here and now because we're we're elsewhere. We're past. We're, we're with the Lord if we're a believer. Um, but something is left in our wake. And so I think a, a helpful way to look and to approach death before we get to a point where we're facing our own deaths or something that's um, winding us down, as it were, um, is to think about that. But then also to think while we're undergoing these things, um, what can I what can I help people with at this particular moment? Um, now, that isn't to say you shouldn't focus on yourself. You can. And I think you should give, give your permission to do that, is to actually be able to focus on yourself to some degree, because you are the one who is undergoing some suffering. And this is not what was originally intended, but it is something that um, God can use for good. I remember, I, I don't know her name. I, I can't remember her name, but I was following her on social media. There was a young lady uh, who was facing a terminal disease. Mm-hmm. And she used as an opportunity to journal almost every step of her way. Now, you don't have to do it at that level. And of course, you're talking about Colleen, who's, who's, doing, who's doing that as well. And you can, you, can, you can sort of search the scriptures, spend some time and think to yourself, is there purpose in this? Now, I think that if there is no God, if, if we're looking at a, at a world where this is all by accident, then Richard Dawkins would be correct when he says that this world is a world where there is meaningless suffering and meaningless good fortune, which means that your suffering or your death is meaningless. But we rail against that. We look for the why in the middle of all this. And that suffering tends to like wake us up to some of the important whys. That's why I think it was so powerful when, um, uh, when Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God had used for good, yes. is that somehow the suffering and the evil wakes us up. Lewis said it so beautifully when he said that God speaks to us uh, in, a, in, in, our, in our conscience. He whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And sometimes we can be aroused to that which is incredibly yes. valuable and supremely valuable in the middle of all of that and then begin to journal it. Uh, talk with other people about it, uh, express yourself um, in as you try to face these things and see what's going on because there's going to be somebody else who might not have the same hope you have. Um, and you can process things together, but you can also help them to see God's goodness in the middle of all this. That doesn't mean it's going to, you know, that God can't work a miracle, but if he chooses not to, you can, you can leave the lasting miracle of the hope that we have because of a risen Christ. I remember, quick story, um, Gary Habermas, who is one of the world's most foremost experts on the resurrection, he told the story about his his first wife, Debbie. She died of stomach cancer. And as he was taking care of her, um, and she was wailing in pain occasionally, and sometimes she would be, you know, not so in in pain, 
he would spend time on the porch to take a break from taking care of her. And he'd look out uh, over his porch and he'd say, God, why? Why is Debbie up there uh, moaning in pain and I'm down here? What's going on? And he said the answer that came to him was, Gary, did I raise my son from the dead? And of course, he believes that because that's all he ever teaches on is the resurrection. And then he realized something is that if Jesus died and rose again, then his wife will die and rise again. And so will he. And then he'll be with her. It's that eternal perspective and the veracity of that that can help us to sustain ourselves and learn some important things as we face death and suffering. Let's go to the phone lines. Andrew is listening in Illinois. Hey, Andrew, thank you so much for listening. What's your question today, my friend? So my question, thank you for taking my call, and I'm sorry about your son, Chris. Thank um, you. It, uh, it's an everlasting uh, uh, memory. Uh, I lost a brother when I was very young, and it was over mm. 50 years ago, and I see him every day. Mm. All right, uh, visions, and my family does. Uh, my my question is most recently uh, it was even in the papers. My son lost one of his closest, fr- a very close friend that I will say saved him during COVID. Uh, was his only friend during uh, his freshman year um, uh, because of the COVID and all of that being remote and uh, sure. took him to work, do all these things that nobody else, very selfless, most selfless person that I know, uh, as a junior at college uh he passed away uh a week a little over a week ago and we're trying to figure out what happened and that's still but how do you help you know a 16 year old and it's it's a it's a it's a struggle every single day how do i help him yeah so first off thank you for calling and thanks for your your question uh andrew um, what I want you to do, I want you to stay with me because we got to take a, a, a quick break. We're up against uh, an unavoidable break, if you will. But I promise you, we're going to answer your question to the best of our ability on the other side of this break. So, Andrew, stick and stay if you can. Uh, for the rest of you, stay on the line. If we haven't gotten to your call, we're going to try to get to as many of them as possible. Today is an important day. Uh, not only on a personal level, but I want it to be for you as well, an opportunity to talk about questions for God in the face of death and suffering. 877-548-3675. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. On a very uh, important day, I'll describe it as that, on a personal level and hopefully an important day for this program as well. I share it with you during my uh, opening uh, introduction that today is the four-year day of remembrance for the passing of uh, my oldest son, Chris, who passed in 2019. So my wife and I and my children try our best to leave space in this day and this week for our emotions, for our questions, processing some big things with the Lord. And God has been gracious in his mercy and comfort to us. But it's also a day that I thought would be good for us to open up this conversation for those of you who maybe are facing death yourself and you're wondering, man, how do I process this? 
Um, how do I finish well? How do I honor God through this? Or maybe you have questions about the goodness of God, questions about the sovereignty of God, and uh, and so much more. If you've lost a loved one, no doubt those questions have arisen. So my good friend Abdu Murray agreed to join today to help to answer some of those questions. Abdu is an author. He is a Christian apologist. He's also uh, the founder and president of uh, Embrace the Truth. It's a wonderful ministry that helps to uh, give reasons for faith and uh, helps to point people to uh, the answers that are found in Christ. I want you to give us a call today with your questions, 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Andrew is with us from Illinois. He asked a question. We were up against a break. And uh, Andrew's question, and first off, Andrew, thank you for staying with us uh, over the break. Um, But Andrew's question was his son, 16 years old, lost a close friend, a college uh, buddy uh, who passed away. And Andrew's question is, how do I help my son or how do we help broadly uh, our children uh, to grieve, to process grief? And uh, I'll give a quick answer, and then, Abdu, I want to leave space for you. One, there's a number of resources that are available. We did an interview back in 2019 with Amy Ford, who wrote a book called When Your Child is Grieving. And I just really want to encourage you, When Your Child is Grieving, Amy Ford. A couple of things that I think are are important, and that is leaving space for lament. And when I say leaving space for lament, I, I, I mean specifically Leaving uh, room and letting your son know it's okay for him to grieve. It's okay for him to uh, bring his tough questions to God. We see it all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Psalms. Now, Psalm 13 is a great example of this. So I'm just going to give you four quick steps. Number one, take your how questions to God, your how and your why questions to God. So as you're processing grief with your son, let him know there's some big how questions, God, how could you let this happen? Uh, there's some big why questions, you know, why did it happen to this person? Take those, God, in prayer. You can cry out to him. Secondly, uh, bring your complaints, the things that you um, don't like about life. I, I don't like that death is a part of our experience here. I don't like evil. I don't like violence. Uh, there's so much that I don't like about this moment. Bring your complaint. Leave space in prayer, in Bible study, in conversation, in dialogue for people to be real and to be honest and to bring their complaint. Then thirdly, invite your son to ask God boldly for help, to ask God, help me with the processing of this pain. Help me with the feelings of loneliness or fear or anxiety. We see this over and over again with the psalmist. They would turn to God. They would ask their how and why questions. They would bring their complaint. Then they would ask for help. But then, fourthly, and then I'll stop here, is choose to trust God. Choose to trust him. And this is a choice of, of faith, but it's not a choice based blindly without evidence. There's much historical evidence of the faithfulness of God seen most supremely in the cross of Christ. And uh, I want to encourage you when you're helping your son to process or any child to process, encourage them to choose to trust in God as they process through their grief 
and loss. Abdu, anything else you want to share with Andrew? Oh, sure. And uh, Andrew, thanks for the for the question. And um, boy, it's a, it's a heavy one because when your children are suffering, uh, it's it's worse than if you are. Um, and you almost lose, uh, you, you almost know how to handle your own, but you don't know how to handle somebody else's and you desperately want to. Uh, so I appreciate the question. Um, I would just add a couple of things maybe to augment what you've said, Chris, because there's not much more I would add except to say that uh, as you do leave room for that lament um, uh, is to listen carefully for how he laments. What kind of a lamenter is he? What kind of a griever is he? Um, is he an emotive person? Is he a sullen person? Does he, you know, is he an internalizer? Is he someone who just kind of broods? If he, is he the kind of person who you think, uh, well, might just be the kind of person who says, I'm fine, and they're really not. Um, who knows? I don't know him, but you do. Um, and I think leaving room for uh, that level of lament that might surprise you, but is still a legitimate form of lament. Um, and, but, but importantly, as you listen and carefully wait, you might find that uh, some of the why questions don't arise, in which case you don't need to necessarily answer them unless you can prod to see if they're really there, but he's afraid to ask. Because some Christians are afraid to ask the why question because they feel like if I ask the why question, I'm suddenly being faithless. I'm suddenly questioning God and maybe he'll, maybe this is all punishment for my faithlessness in the first place. And there's all kind of things that people think. Um, but I think encouraging them, as you said, Chris, before, is to ask the how and the why questions because God's okay with it. He, he's perfectly fine with it. Um, but second, uh, or third, I should say, is once you've heard that, don't be afraid to not answer. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Um, you know, the, the quintessential and classical uh, example is when Job was going through all his sufferings and his friends sat with him for days and it was the most helpful thing they can do. And then they decided to open their mouths and try to explain things. And they ended up almost uh, yes. making yes. it Job's fault and they were so unhelpful. Um, so there's a, there's a time to answer. Uh, but there's also a time when we're sort of aggrandizing ourselves and or saying we know the the reason these things happen. And the reality is we don't know. We just don't know. The only thing I would say in, in addition is um, uh, a good friend of mine passed away years ago at a young age from stomach cancer. Uh, he was a good friend. Uh, Chris, yes. you knew him as well, and Nabil yes. Qureshi. I remember at the... Um, at the uh, reception for his fu- after his funeral, someone had c- come up and asked, why did God allow such a bright voice for the gospel, such a vibrant and passionate voice for the gospel to be taken out so early? There was so much more work to do and so many more people to reach. But then I thought to myself, I have a friend um, whose brother, who wasn't nearly as big a voice uh, in Christian circles, in fact, wasn't a voice at all in Christian circles. He passed away at a similar age, too, and left two kids behind. And I remember thinking, um, Nabil's life was tremendous, and he did such a great impact on, on, on the world for the gospel's sake. But he was no less valuable to other people and no more valuable to other people than my friend's brother was. Um, when, when, you know, Andrew said that this, 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 young, this guy who passed away was such a good guy and selfless and all these things. And so we want to ask ourselves the question, like, why would God allow such a good person to go away when there's so many other people in the world? Um, and those answers 
are not going to be forthcoming necessarily. But this leads back into the last thing you said is to choose to trust God. And we trust God for what he will do with our suffering because of what God already has verifiably done with his own suffering. Mm. God turned the suffering. The father turns his back on the son to forsake him so that because we were the ones who were supposed to be forsaken. And the father feels that intensely. But also the son feels the wrath intensely, and the Holy Spirit brings these things to our conscience. Um, My point here is that God suffered. The triune God in all three persons suffers something horribly unfair, but he does so so that we won't have to. So God can turn suffering around. We can choose to trust God that he will turn suffering around because we know that he did turn suffering around, not only through the resurrection, mm-hmm. but for what it means for you and for me. And it's, it vouchsafes our eternity. So in the middle yes. of his struggle, at some point, there's going to be a time he's going to trust something. The worldview menu is only so big. And other worldviews, I think, either approximate some level of hope or are bereft of it completely. I think only the Christian faith has a historical, factual, and uh, eventually emotionally satisfying uh, answer for hope. Thank you, Abdi. Thanks, Andrew, for calling. And Father, we pray for your comfort for Andrew, for his precious son, and that Mm -hmm. you would draw them close to you and that you will be close to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to the phone line. Joe Londo is uh, listening to us in Florida. Thank you so much for calling. What's your question today? Okay, my question is, um, how could we as a Christian community and also um, people in general come alongside each other when we have a loss and minister to the physical needs of the person as opposed to just throwing out a scripture or saying you're praying for them, or um, how can we minister to the physical needs? Because yes. um, I personally, I lost my husband unexpectedly um, in 2018, and mm-hmm. um, he was 49, and at the time I was 47, and it was very, it was, I mean, I've been a Christian 25 years, but it was very devastating um, for me. But I found very few friends and family that ministered to our physical needs, yeah. um, more so yeah. than either withdrawing or not knowing what to say or just saying something that I already knew. So what are yes. your suggestions on that? Yeah. First off, uh, my, my heart goes out to you because it is uh, tough enough, uh, Jolando, to, um, to lose someone that close to you. It's even more heartbreaking when the people closest to you aren't able, capable, or, or sometimes willing to comfort and support you. And so um, I'm so sorry that you've gone through that. Um, I will say, and you've alluded to it so often, and Abdu, you know this so often, uh, death is is quite overwhelming. And it's not just overwhelming uh, for us, uh, but it's overwhelming for the people who are around us, who care for us. And so at times that leaves people feeling wholly inadequate. There are so many times when I have, as a pastor, had to go to visit someone at their home or at the hospital or at the funeral home after they've lost someone, and I've prayed that prayer quietly under my breath saying, God, I, I don't know what to say, what to do, um, and, and I'm looking to you for, for uh, help, wisdom, guidance. And so my heart goes out to those who maybe withdraw, not because of a lack of love, 
but just not wanting to make things worse. Um, but you asked a question, uh, what can we do? Uh, I will tell you in the aftermath of the uh, death of our son, um, there were so many people who practiced what I call presence ministry. Uh, they didn't come to our house with a game plan. They just came and they were d- there. And as needs came up, they were ready to go into action. Maybe it was buying food for us, or maybe it was helping to uh, clean up the house, or maybe it was just sitting next to our side. I think that what we need to do is relieve ourselves of the pressure of feeling that, man, we have to have all of the answers or have a full, complete game plan on how to help with those practical, physical needs and to be there, just to be present. And then I would say for folks like you and others who have experienced what it's like for that to be missing, we have to be what we didn't receive. So the things we wish we would have received from others, we can offer to others. One of the things we can offer is this book by Colleen Chow, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God. It could be a blessing for the right person. Go to equipradio.org to learn more. As a dad, a friend, and a neighbor, I share your concerns over the growing problems in our culture. That's why on Equip, we tackle the tough issues, learning how to respond with grace and truth. We're looking for like-minded partners to stand with us. Would you be willing to become an Equipper today? In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an Equipper, you'll receive insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper today by calling 888-644-4100. Or go to equipradio.org. Let's go back to the phone lines. Renee is listening in Florida. Renee, thank you for listening. Thanks for your patience. What's your question today? Renee, are you there? Hello? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. What's your question today? I, I think we may have lost Renee. Um, let's try again to see if we can connect Hello. with her. Okay. Hello? Yes, I am Hello? here. Yep. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. Okay. Um, my husband passed away six months ago, and I wanted to know, does he remember me in heaven? Does God tell him anything about me? Hmm. First off, Renee, um, obviously the pain is so real, and I, um, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through the heartache and the pain that you're going through, and I want you to know that God loves you and that we're going to pray for you. I'm going to ask Abdu if he could answer Renee's question. There's so many verses that come to mind. Obviously, we have passages of Scripture where those who have uh, left this life and are in the presence of the Lord are fully aware of what's happening. Uh, the the poor man in in Abraham's bosom and uh, so many examples. But Abdu, what would you say to Renee? You know, Renee, one one thing um, that I'm always reticent to do is where the Bible does not speak. I, I don't want to shout because I don't want to say more than Scripture allows. But what I do know in 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 this sense is that. Um, uh, yes, there are passages that suggest that those who have passed on are fully aware. I, he's not in a, in a, in a sort of a, 
a soul sleep where he's unconscious until the day of resurrection. And he's just in sort of some mental stasis. He's actually aware uh, because he is with the Lord. In fact, when the Lord says to the, even the thief on the cross, he says, I tell you that this day you will be with me in paradise. Um, that's a tremendous blessing and a, tre- a tremendous sign of hope because it means that he'll be able to experience and be able to know the bliss of that, of being with the Lord, um, yeah, which is the, the goal of every human being, um, which is the, the, the goal of every soul. Um, having said that, what I think is important too is that when the Bible describes essentially heaven as being a physical resurrection, um, uh, in, in, uh, when Jesus returns and everything's set right, um, there's going to be a perfection, uh, a glorification to you and to me. Um, just as Jesus's body was raised glor- gl- uh, in glory, so will ours be raised in glory. And so it'll be a state that was originally intended. And what that means is that your husband will know you and he'll know you better than he's ever known you. And you'll know him better than you've ever known him, even on this side of heaven where there is no marriage. Um, On the other side of heaven, we're going to know each other. We're going to know them so through and through and the the culmination and the the realities of life and what you've gone through and what you've faced since his passing and what he has been expected, waiting for you to join. All of that will be a glorious wrapping up. I mean, eye has not seen, the Bible says, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever it is he's experiencing right now, even before the resurrection of everyone, is gloriously blissful. And you're going to experience that too. And you'll know him in a way you've never known him before. And he'll know you in a way he's never known you before. So I think that there is an awareness. Your husband is aware of things, uh, but you can, in the middle of your, your, your grief and your, and your very new grief, it's very new um, and it's raw. But if there's any solace to be taken, it's that hope that, um, and it's not a, a hope like, boy, I hope that the Starbucks is open because I really could use some coffee. It's not that kind of a, a flippant, superficial hope. It's a real hope. It's a hope that's based on fact and reality mm-hmm. that you're looking forward to that time when you can know him and he'll know you in a way that you've never known each other before. It'll be such a culmination of your relationship. Father, we pray for Renee. We thank you for your promises that are based on your unchanging, eternal character. Lord, we thank you that you are not just all-powerful, not just all-present, not just all-knowing, but you are all-loving as well. And I pray that she would know that love, that she would know your comfort, that she would know your, your care and your closeness. Remind her of the promise that we have in Jesus of salvation in this life and resurrection in the life to come. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Friends, I'm so grateful that we have been able to share this time together. Uh, We got to as many calls as we can. We'd love to take more, but you can keep the conversation going on social media uh, as well. Facebook and Twitter, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I promise you we'll read and we will respond to your questions. I want to say thank you so very much to Abdu Murray. What a gift, Abdu, uh, you are to the body of believers. Thank you for your friendship and thank you for your care and your reflections on the character of our God and the cross of Christ. 
friends until we're together again next time. As always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. Women in ministry is a topic that generates a lot of questions like what does the Bible teach about women ministering in their homes and even in the church? We're going to talk about how a woman can discern her calling with a veteran panel of women leaders on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.